Tonight's talk is entitled Taming the Tongue, and uh, we have a little PowerPoint presentation to come along with it. The tongue is only a small part in our body, a little tiny bit, just in, in my mouth here. I've got a very short tongue, actually, and for that reason, I struggle to, to speak Spanish, or that's my excuse for not being able to speak Spanish. Um, and to be honest, not being very good at speaking in general, I will stutter and fall over my tongue, even though it's so short. But the tongue is so small. But the tongue is great at getting us into trouble, okay? I'm sure most of you can think of a time when you've opened your mouth and you've said the wrong thing. Sometimes it's been a joke which has gone wrong. Sometimes it's just been a throwaway statement, a careless word. Sometimes it's been out of anger. Sometimes it's been out of pride and boasting. Um, but the tongue generally gets people into trouble. And a sort of light-hearted way, I remember our son, Seth, getting himself into trouble once. We have um, Jenny, and she is a fantastic baker and cook. And um, she makes some lovely desserts. And one day, we were up in the top hall, and I can't remember what it was for, but my son was eating some cheesecake. And it was a lovely cheesecake. And my son said, this cheesecake is wonderful. It's really good, considering it's shop-bought. And then he realized it wasn't shop-bought. It had been made by Jenny. And his face dropped because Jenny was there. So <laughs> the tongue can get us into trouble. I was only speaking to someone else this week, and they often get their words mixed up. And she used to say, oh, I tell you, what I used to say, it was terrible. I used to always say, when I got a bit anxious, I said, oh, excuse me, I don't mean to get so erotic, when actually she meant neurotic. Okay, <laughs> so the tongue can get us into trouble. Right? Now, <clears throat> the passage we've just started with, clearly states, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that he, we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, lots of people nowadays uh, not necessarily see themselves as teachers, but with the advent of social media, lots of people are commenting on things, lots of people are doing their own little YouTube channels, Instagram, TikToks, and actually they can come across as teaching. But James makes it very clear here, we need to be careful if we're teaching. In Deuteronomy 18, verse 20, the prophet, who was also seen a bit like a teacher, was actually put to death if they spoke careless words or if they were not speaking words from God. It was a serious thing. And James is just reiterating to us here, if we're going to teach, we need to do this seriously. And most of the ways people teach is through the word, the spoken word or the written word. But the spoken word, speech, is the main way we teach people. And I think that's why James starts here about the tongue. If we're going to teach, we need to be careful what we say. And he then goes on to say, well, we can actually often make lots of mistakes. No one's perfect. Anyway, on to slide two. Okay. So... James, I think James is a little bit of a kinesthetic learner, if you know what that is. If you're a primary school teacher, I think James would have been a brilliant primary school teacher because he teaches us in really easy to understand pictures. And he gives us three metaphors to really help us understand about the tongue and about it's such a small thing but it's very powerful. The tongue is small, but powerful. So he gives us three um, illustrations. So first of all, a horse. Now, I love riding horses. I don't know if you watched the Grand National yesterday. Maybe you, you didn't, but the racing's been on um, a lot. And these animals are powerful 
If you get on a horse and it starts to gallop, you have got no way of controlling that horse. Powerful, beautiful animals, but it is controlled. It can be controlled by a very small bit in the mouth, over the tongue, which helps the rider control all that power. So the bit in the horse, okay, is, is a very small but very powerful, can control a powerful thing. And then the next, the next picture he gives us is a rudder on a ship. We've seen these great big cruise liners, haven't we? Some of you may have even been on one. I haven't. But um, these great big cruise liners. And you think, how do they get anywhere? How do they float? It amazes me. But anyway, there's a rudder on the back. And it's in comparison to the ship, it is tiny. But it steers the whole ship. Even if you've got a big storm coming, winds blowing, the rudder is the thing that steers it. And then James goes on to say about the fire. The tongue is like a fire. Now, I've put a little spark on there. It's just a little fire. Um, but I don't know if you remember, a couple of years ago, Australia had a lot of um, forest fires. And it caused immense destruction. But that little spark, it all started with a little spark. And he's... he's kind of lightening the tongue to this, you know, and sometimes with, with things like gossip or slander, it's a little spark, it's a little word, but it soon gets out of control and it changes and it's suddenly this huge fire and it causes lots and lots, or can do, lots and lots of destruction in people's lives. And actually, it could have been put out when it was a spark very easily. So the tongue is very small, but it's very powerful. So Hamish. Yes. <clears throat> James, James uses these illustrations of the bit and a rudder and the spark because the tongue is small but actually just like the bit controls the horse, a tongue can control the course of our life and actually the tongue is so powerful. It's written about lots in the Bible and on the next slide we see a, a verse from Proverbs and uh, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death in it. This is how it can control people's lives. The tongue is small, but it's, it's dangerous. A poet once said, change your words and you can change your world. Now, I grew up um, and I was very small and I often used to get teased in the playground and picked on because I was small. People used to come and lean on me because I was that small. I was called Small Fry, Titch, and all sorts of names like that. But I remember being told, sticks and stones may hurt your bones, but names will never hurt you. And I, I, I took that on board. I thought, yeah, that's true. So I, I sort of pushed the words away, and the names didn't hurt me. But actually, it's a lie when you really think about it. Sticks and stones do hurt, but bones can mend. And um, physical wounds can often, hen often mend. But a word spoken over you, a negative word or criticism or an angry word spoken over you can really affect you. And it's not so easy to brush off as you think. It can affect your emotions. It can affect your mental health. It can affect your self-confidence. So words are powerful and they can be quite destructive. So <clears throat> this reminds me of a... A thing in young adults not so long ago, we had Paul speaking and he used this illustration. I'm not marketing any brand here, but we've got a new um, <laughs> tube of toothpaste. And I don't know, should we have a volunteer? Did you want to get a volunteer, Rach? Yeah. 
We're not going to okay. do what Paul did because Paul ended up squirting it all in his hair, I believe. Yeah, we'll have to squirt it on a, on a piece of paper or something. Am I going to do it on there? You could do it on okay. there if you want. Uh, do, do it on the back of this, it's not a problem. Okay, so who are we having? Who did you want for... Come on. Who, who, who's going to rise to a challenge? Have we got anyone who wants to rise to a challenge? Go on, oh, thank you, Tom. Tom. Well done. Tom, this tube of toothpaste is very much like a person, okay? It's got lots of stuff inside it, lots of good stuff in it. And when you take the lid off it, it's got a mouth, okay? Now, when we speak words, Rachel, you just turned over my sheet I was going to use, okay? There you are. Speak some words, Tom, with that tube of toothpaste. All right. Now, oh, go on, you can put, you can, a little bit more, that's fine. Now, once those words have been spoken, they're out there, aren't they? You can see that toothpaste. Can you take those words back now and put them back in the toothpaste? Is it possible? It's not really, is it? It makes a big mess. Uh, Thank you, Tom. (laughs) So that messy illustration is just to say that words, once we speak the words, we'll remember about that later. (laughs) Once we speak words, they're out there. They're very hard to bring back. If you've spoken bad words, the bad words are out there. If you've spoken good words, they're out there. So words can bring death, they can be destructive, but they can also bring life. And um, Rachel's been reading through the Bible recently, and during, during this, she's been reading Matthew 8, and it really reminded her of some really good examples. Yeah, it was, it was interesting, because we were thinking about this message a couple of weeks ago, and I was reading through Matthew, and I read Matthew chapter 8, and there were so many examples of Jesus speaking a word, and it was done. So um, just to, to go through it um, with you, really, it really, really encouraged me. So and in Matthew 8, with a word, straight away, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. And then he has a, a, an encounter with a centurion, um, which I'll, I'll read to you. And uh, the centurion um, has a servant that is very, very sick and needs healing. So the centurion went to meet Jesus. So I'll just read you. Um, in verse 8, it says, The centurion replied... Uh, because Jesus offered to go to his house. So I'll give you a little bit of context. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell you this one, go and he goes, and that one, come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. This man recognized Jesus' authority and he spoke words of healing to the servant and he was healed. He said to Jesus, just say the word. So words have power. And then a little later, a little later Jesus in the chapter, chapter 8, he drove out evil spirits with a word and healed all the sick. And then a really popular story further down in the chapter where the disciples are afraid because they are trapped in a storm in a boat and Jesus rebukes the wind and the waves. He speaks to the wind and the waves. He said, be still, peace, be still. 
And the disciples, it says in, in the word, it says, they were amazed. They said, even the wind and the waves obey him. He stopped the weather with a word. So there was, and then later on, um, he drove evil spirits into a herd of pigs with the word go. So, so many incidences of Jesus just saying a word and it was done. Words have authority and power. So, I've lost my place now, Hamish. It's you. So, yeah, the tongue through words can shape people's lives. It has great influence. And as Rachel's just said about that chapter in Matthew... Also, you read Jesus speaking to a woman at the well and removing shame through talking to her, and that's in John 4. You hear of Jesus reinstating Peter after Peter denied Jesus three times in John 21. But this isn't just about the words of Jesus. As I said, we all have a tongue in our body, and that tongue can move. Um, Well, that tongue moves, yes, but um, that tongue helps shape our life sometimes and the course of our life. And we can see that time and time again in the Bible. In 1 Samuel 25, we see David, who's not yet king, going to to go and visit someone in a very angry way. And he's met by Abigail. And Abigail says, look, here's here's some wise advice. Do this. Actually, David listens and it stops David shedding blood needlessly. Later on, you see Mordecai in in Esther chapter 4. Mordecai is um, an uncle to this orphaned girl. And he challenges this awful orphaned girl to stand up and do the right thing he says if it's not for such a time as this and these words wouldn't have been easy to hear but actually Esther took them on and it changed history it saved the Israel um, yeah the Israelite nation and then Barnabas in Acts chapter 9 we read about him confronting the disciples who were fearful of Paul who had now been converted and was on their side but lots of the people in the church were still frightened of Paul but Barnabas used words to encourage the people to accept Paul and they were all words which were spoken into people's lives and helped change the course of someone's life or even change the course of history but that's all a positive time There is times in the Bible, and I'm sure we can also think of times in our lives or where you know of people where things have been spoken which are not so nice. And things have, the tongue has changed lives for the worse. In 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 13, it talks about a young king, Rehoboam, who had just taken on and he was challenged. And he answered to people in such a harsh way that they decided to reject him as a king and it split the nation of Israel. So, words are important. The use of a tongue is important and how we use it is really important and how it can change people's lives and influence people's lives. So much so, in the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, and James is often seen like a a book of Proverbs about wisdom teaching, we have loads and loads of different words about how we should be careful with the tongue in our speech. So we've got Beth and Flora to whiz through, I think, 11 little verses here all about how the word is important. We can pop slide four. Okay, so starting off with words divide, Proverbs 16, verse 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. In Proverbs 16, verse 27, words spread. A scoundrel plots evil and on their lips is like a scorching fire. And then in Proverbs 18, verse 8, words infect. A word of a gossip is like a choice morsel 
Um, they go down uh, to the inmost parts. In Proverbs 13, verse 3, words expose. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. And then, then again in Proverbs 15, verse 1, words create. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. In Proverbs 29, verse 5, words inflate. Those who flatter their neighbors are spreading nets for their feet. And then Proverbs 12, verse 18, words hurt. The words of a reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. In Proverbs 28, verse 23, forthright words. Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than the one who has a flattering tongue. And then again in Proverbs 24, verse 27, honest words, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. In Proverbs 12, verse 25, kind words. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. And then gentle words in Proverbs 25, verse 15. Through through patience, a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. In Proverbs 15, verse 23, timely words. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. And then calm words in Proverbs 17, verse 27. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even-tempered. And in Proverbs 16, verse 24, healing words. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. There we are. That's all of them. Thank you. That was flying through a load of verses there. But as you can see, words are important. And the tongue is the thing which creates the words or speaks the words out. So we've got to be careful. We don't divide. And this comes on. James carries on to say about praising and cursing. And this is uh, really important because actually James is teaching us about the difference between what a real Christian should be looking like and what a false Christian should be looking like. We looked at how we look in the mirror in chapter one and how we can go away. But this is all about how we should be living our lives in a sincere way. Yeah, phrasing and cursing. So if you can just put the next slide up, that's great. So again, James uses... um, some pictures and this one is a big challenge this is a challenging word that James is bringing to all of us it's a challenge to me and Hamish all of us it's a big challenge so um, he's using two pictures he's saying a fresh spring of water and a salty spring and then he talks about a tree bearing fruit so he's explaining that we cannot worship God and then curse a person with our tongues He's saying, that shouldn't ever happen. We all know it does happen, sadly. Um, But James is saying, that should never be. That should never be. The thing is, people are so intrinsically important to God. Every one of you sat here. And every one of you knows people in your sphere as influence. You may not like everybody in your sphere of influence. But God loves everybody. Every person is uniquely special to him. The greatest commandment is to love God and to love other people. So we're going to just try a little little experiment here. So Hamish is going to help me. Talking about this salty spring and this fresh spring. Now, on a nice hot day, this could get messy, Hamish, you want a lovely glass of water. But basically, James is saying... A salty spring and a fresh spring come from two completely different sources, okay? So they may look the same. It might not look exactly the same. It's a bit cloudier, that one. 
So we've got a fresh spring and we've got a salty spring. But actually when we mix the salt with the fresh, we shouldn't really mix it, should we? Because what happens, I've now got no, I've got wet notes now. So uh, what happens, we've got, it contaminates everything. Now on a hot sunny day, you wouldn't want to drink that because the salt has contaminated the fresh water. The source is completely different. And what he's saying is, James, is we need to be the same through and through. We cannot be a fresh spring one day and a salty spring the next. The source is completely different. And it also talks about a tree, um, a fig tree and an olive tree. You know, you can't have a fig tree that bears olives or an olive tree that bears figs. Or in our country, we couldn't have an apple tree, which is fairly common, that would bear, uh, bear oranges. So James is saying that our nature will show through the words we speak. And what is inside of us will eventually come out. So this is the challenge. When we praise God, worship Jesus on a Sunday, but maybe gossip about our boss on a Monday or share a a bit of a, a coarse joke with our work colleagues on a Monday. Like the salty spring, mixing with a fresh one, it doesn't mix well. It's unsavory, it's unpalatable, and it shouldn't be so. And this is what James is saying. And I've been thinking about the people that, you know, are in my home. I know sometimes my words are not the same in public as in private in your home. And that's a challenge to me. Sometimes, do we, I know I am a little bit more, um, how can I say this? Uh, sharper with my words to my lovely husband, even though I shouldn't be. Um, and, and that is the same. It's salty and, and this, this um, fresh thing. It shouldn't be so. Our words should be consistent. So how are we? How are we in all of our contexts that we, we maybe go to school? Are our words the same with our non-Christian friends as they are with our Christian friends? Are our words the same on a Sunday as they are on a Monday when you're grumpy and tired and at home? Our words with our children, are they the same? So it's a real, real challenge. And if we're all honest, I know it doesn't always match up. And um, I think our words... Basically, he's asking, I've lost my notes now, Hamish, where is it? Um, there we go. So I will just interject here. Our words, okay, it's sometimes it's not just about what you say, it's about how you say it. Mm-hmm. And um, this was reminded us of um, Alexa. I don't know if who's got an Alexa here or Siri on the phone. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the other night, I was talking to Alexa and... Um, Alexa, Alexa was not quite understanding me uh, <laughs> and was not doing what I wanted Alexa to do. And What did you ask Alexa? We were both in bed and it was so funny. I think it was a bedtime story. You said, Alexa, read us a bedtime story. And it, well, originally it started, I wanted to listen to Radio 4, but you've now got to <laughs> sign into a different app or something. So I was a little frustrated and my tone of voice changed as I spoke to Alexa. No, Alexa, not that. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, Alexa just went, okay. 
And Alexa just answered back in a very gentle tone. However riled I was getting by her and angry, and I did raise my voice at Alexa, she would just answer back, okay. Which actually riled me a little bit more, if I'm honest. But, but that's where it's important. It's not always just what you say, it's also how you say it. Anyway. That's right. Okay, so the whole book of James, really, is talking about practical faith rather, rather than a mere profession of it. The pure religion that he talks about is about our faith being genuine and sincere and authentic, active and consistent to be exactly what it says on the tin. The Pharisees in the Bible were so concerned about their outward religious appearances that they didn't really pay any attention to their inner lives, their hearts. On the outside, they were full of zeal for God, but on the inside, the Bible says their hearts were dead and cold. The inside and the outside didn't match. And this needs to happen with our tongues. This is what he's saying. And Matthew 15, verse 17 to 20, sums this up really well. So I'll just read this for you. Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. Not eating with unwashed hands doesn't defile them. So our words indicate what is in our hearts. And like the salt water and fresh spring coming from completely different sources, never out of the same spring, James is saying it's unpalatable. This should never be. This should never happen. That praising God and cursing people should come out of the same mouth. So, James makes it quite clear in verses 7 and 8, and I'll just read them again. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. So, who controls our tongue? And um, if we just go on to the next slide, it's just a picture, really. Who controls... This tongue, which can shape our lives and can change the course of history, who controls it? Now, I would like to say, when you read through Proverbs, there's lots of really good advice on how we can try to master our tongue. But actually, I was reminded of a story in Matthew 16, 22 to 23, which I'd just quickly flick to. I did put a, I did put a marker in my Bible. And this, this really, when, when, I, when I read about James, and it wasn't that James has been hopeless, but he was just saying, actually, the tongue is, is a dangerous thing. It, it also told me about when Jesus predicts his death, okay? And this is Matthew 16. Peter took it, so Jesus has just told his disciples he was going to go to Jerusalem and he was going to die there. And Peter took him aside and said, and began to rebuke him, never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Now, they, they don't sound like angry words, particularly to me. They sound like quite comforting, encouraging words. But then Jesus said to his disciples, oh no, then Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. 
You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So when we talk about who controls our tongue, we sometimes think we have a control over it, but actually it's a bit deeper than that. But James might say that no man can tame the tongue, but we do know that through God and through life in the spirit, we can have the tongue tamed because taming the tongue doesn't happen with our strength but it's in God's strength we will never overcome sin by trying harder but allowing the Holy Spirit to have full control of our lives by cooperating with him and listening to him it will be him who will convict us when we need to change something and then we can put it right and just like the rudder controls the boat and the captain is controlling that and just like the bit is controlling the horse and the rider's controlling the bit, if we allow Jesus to be the one who's controlling the horse or the captain of the ship or the Lord of the life, and we submit to him, we can allow our tongues to be tamed. It doesn't seem a natural thing to us, but it is about the Holy Spirit helping us to live by the Spirit. In Galatians 5, we speak of, it speaks about living by the Spirit and not by our flesh. And through that, there's fruits. The fruit of self-control is one of them. The more we surrender to God, the more fruit will naturally grow. And Rachel gave me this illustration. It's not sometimes about us trying, but as I'm looking towards God and going for what God wants me to, going for the things of the Holy Spirit, I'm moving closer and closer to him. And actually, I can't help but put distance behind from the, the things of the flesh, whether that's my mouth or other actions. So who controls our tongue? Just like Rachel said about the heart, who has our heart? We should be giving our heart over to God and we should be asking him to have our heart and with that, he can be controlling our tongue. But there is some practical things, isn't there? Some practical applications because at the end of the day, we work in partnership, don't we? We do. And um, there's some practical advice. If you can put the next slide up, that would be great. Some practical application. And, and really, the Bible is very practical. It, is, it can be a challenging book to read, but there's some really practical stuff. And um, I think this is a great verse for us to stick on our mirrors in the morning so that we can see it every day. It's a really helpful verse about Christian living. It's in Ephesians um, I'll read the whole section in a minute, but, but it's really about instructions for right Christian living, what to take off, what to put on, how to live, how to live this new life in the spirit and not fall into old patterns. So Ephesians 4 verse 29, um, I will read for you. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Um, I will read on a little bit. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ uh, forgave you. So, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
So when we're talking about nothing unwholesome coming out of our mouths, it doesn't mean we have to have sugar-coated, flattering words all the time and never tell anybody the truth. Because actually, unwholesome talk, when it's flattery or, you know, is actually not truth. So that is unwholesome. It's not saying that out of our mouths can't ever come a challenging word or a word of warning or anything like that. The Bible says it's unwholesome. It doesn't want any unwholesome talk to come out of our mouths, but only what is helpful. So this is a really good guide. What is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who will listen? So it's not about just always having positive words all the time, even though they're brilliant. And we have some real encouragers in this church and it's a real blessing. But it's about thinking about the benefit of others all the time. So just some things I thought as well, which are quite helpful. Silence, some practical applications. Sometimes it's good to say nothing. Sometimes when you just, ah. Hamish is very good at this. When the kids are winding me up, he just says, say nothing. And he's always right. <laughs> um, he's got more self-control than me. Um, so, so it says in Proverbs, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongue. Okay, it's a great thing to be able to stay silent and then to listen carefully before we speak. Um, it says in Proverbs 18, 13, um, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. And then decide to wait before you speak. So our words these days are not just what we say, it's what we write, it's what we email, it's what we send, it's what we text. So think, decide to wait before you speak, post or send. And in Proverbs 29 verse 20 it says, do you see someone who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for them. And I think the main thing, honestly, is just to ask for the Holy Spirit's help. James makes it quite clear we're going to always struggle with that taming our tongue. But the closer we get to Jesus and say, look, I want to be surrendered fully to you. Holy Spirit, I want more of you in my life rather than the stuff I struggle with. The closer we get to that, we move further away from the things that hold us back. So asking the Holy Spirit daily, I need help with this. I need help. So whatever it is, the Holy Spirit wants to fill us and wants to make us the kind of the same on the inside as on the outside. He wants to hear words that come from a heart that is surrendered to him and our words can be surrendered to him. So I'm going to hand over to Hamish and um, just for some response time um, as, as the band come up again and we're going to just open it up for prayer. So uh, we'd love the prayer team. Um, Sunday evenings are great. Um, it's, it's lovely just to have a little bit more time. It's a safe place. Um, and Hamish is just going to lead us in that response. I know there's been a lot to take in tonight and we've gone through lots of different Bible verses. Um, but it does come down to just two responses. And um, as you see on the slide behind, hopefully, the, the one response is actually, do we need to say sorry for the words we've been using and how we've been speaking either to other people? And 
you see this glass of water now? It looks, looks fine to drink, doesn't it? But this is the one which had all that salt poured into it. I know if I took a mouthful of that, it would not be very nice. But it looks, it looks like good, clean water to drink. And I think sometimes, as Christians, we can fool ourselves that we, we look like we've got it all right. But actually, when something happens, those angry words can spill out. Or you can be at school on a Monday and think, oh, it doesn't matter. I want to fit in with everyone else. I will use this language. Or at workplace, you can allow your tongue to go unchecked. And actually, James here is teaching us that actually our fruit should marry up to what we're like. As Christians, what we're proclaiming to be should be seen. We shouldn't be cursing and blessing with the same mouth. So one of the responses do we need to say sorry for how we use our mouths, how we may have allowed our tongue to be unchecked? And um, that's just simple. We just admit it. We all make mistakes. I know, as Rachel said, there's times we get angry with each other and we say something we shouldn't say, but we then say sorry. So that's, that's one response where maybe we, we need to say sorry to God and say, God, I need help to tame my tongue. Yes, the Bible's full of some great advice on what to do. Help me to take that on board. Help me to practice that. But also, Holy Spirit, come in, fill me. Give me a, a greater desire to be closer to you and to, to allow the fruit of the Holy Spirit to live out in your life. So, so that's one response. Another response is actually, we've said words can be very destructive and words can be very hurtful. And there might be some people here who've had words spoken over them at certain points in their life, even thinking back to childhood and they can think, Oh, I remember someone saying that about me. And that's affected you. And you've carried that through. God wants to speak words of positiveness over you. God wants to speak words of affirmation and love over you. You are a child of God. And actually you are special. And your identity should be in him, not in words which have been spoken over you in anger. So there's two potential things. If people want to come forward for prayer, we're going to sing a song. And there's a number of people here on the prayer team. And they will come and join you and stand with you and pray for you. So if you feel you want to make a response tonight and you want some ministry, let's come to God and ask him. This is a safe space. So should we stand and we'll start singing. But if you feel something has spoken to you tonight and you want to hand it over to God, just come forward.